morning everyone hope y'all are doing well this week it is thursday december 2nd so we just got back from thanksgiving holiday and i know if y'all are like me one week just wasn't enough but there's only so much we can do and uh we'll have christmas break up here before too long so you know it's coming folks it's coming anyway hope you're doing well um this podcast i kind of have a i'm going to do a dual purpose a dual topic should i say because it it, when i was driving to work it kind of hit me you know there's a lot of uh, different types of technology stuff i want to talk to y'all about but i understand that's not everybody's thing so what i'm probably going to do sometimes is just split the podcast i may talk about one subject for a few minutes and then i may talk about another so that way um, you know, if I keep it short enough, it'll stay interesting, but also to the point that if there's just some stuff you don't want to listen to, you don't have to listen to it. So today, I'm going to split topics between facing your demons and talk just a touch about artificial intelligence, um, which I would hope both topics would ex- you know expand on a little bit of your interest, but I can definitely say the first one, we most of us have had some kind of experience or are experiencing dealing with our demons. Um, what made me think about this is generally whenever I am washing dishes, of all things, I like to listen to music because, let's be honest, washing dishes isn't fun. So I'll throw my headphones on and get get busy, you know, and get, get suds up the sink and get the dishes done. And that way, it keeps me distracted and entertained. I either listen to music or listen to another podcast. Um, and it helps time pass by. So I was rolling through just kind of a regular a mix of different songs, and Imagine Dragons popped up with their demons. Um, and I was listening to it, and I've heard the song before, but you know some of the lyrics really stuck out to me. Um, you know, talking about when your dreams all fail. Um, you know, some of the other things they they hit on in there is wanting to hide the truth. Um, and one that I think you know some of us can feel with is you know. He states in one of the lyrics, but with the beast inside, there's nowhere we can hide. So that led me to think a little bit deeper about some of my different, you know, times, I don't know, just contemplating the concept of demons, um, things that we that we work against, our internal struggles. You know, whether you want to take it as a more in the literal sense, um, where you're physically talking about, you know, spiritual entities that could invade your body or your mind or your soul however you want to do it because I don't want to assume that every one of us has the same outlook on you know religion or our philosophical basis of you know what's beyond this world so I want to reach out to a lot of people and I want to keep it kind of broad because I want you guys to constantly ask you know if there's nothing else that I could um, that I could always hope is that you'll you'll ask tons of questions and, and you'll question a lot of things about yourselves and it'll lead you to a deeper understanding of yourself so you're not just all on the surface. Um, so you know whether you're talking about literal demons that you have to battle against that you know that can invade you and, and tempt you and influence you in, in certain ways or you're talking about the metaphorical demons. Um, and by that, I mean issues that, that hang on to you, whether that comes from, you know, trauma, from bad experiences, or from, um, you know, physical or verbal abuse, or just 
insecurities that we develop inside of ourselves. Um, and I think a lot of those demons can be stemmed and, you know, exasperated. And by exasperated, I mean made worse by a sense of anxiety. Um, I, I'll touch on that a lot. Anxiety is something that, you know, I think I see more and more in, in people, not just in people, but in kids, with more of a wealth of information and types of communication, you know, coming to you, it can be overwhelming. And so anxiety can be a natural byproduct of that. Anxiety is just simply that nervousness, that feeling of restlessness. Um, and, and it can cause a, a, you know, mental confusion, emotional confusion, but physical too. Physical stress is real and it, and it comes from your mind, you know, not being in a subtle place where there's a lot of different um, hormones that are released that put your body in a higher state of stress. And when it stays in that higher state of stress, um, it, it definitely puts um, a lot of issues um, or gives the potential for a lot of issues to develop physically within the body. Number one, because you don't sleep well. And um, the importance of sleep is is beyond what I can express. And I do want to hit on that in a, in a separate podcast itself. There's some good scientists I've been listening to that talk about sleep studies and um, what it means to us to get good night's sleep. But that's more to come. So dealing with back to the anxiety and anxiety, whenever it overwhelms you, it leads to depression. And um, there was a, a quote that I, I saw on a little print years back that I saved in my phone and I need to find it because I think it was just so fitting. And basically states that depression is like a cell that you're locked in that is fitted to every single one of your personal um, insecurities. So depression is a way that it, since it comes from inside, it finds every little bit of you that you don't like or you're afraid of or you don't want people to see. And it, and it pinpoints and hits on those. And, and it can be a, a vicious cycle where it continues to manifest more. I mean, it, it, in a sense, it's your own personal hell written to your biggest insecurities and fears. And um, it doesn't get much lonelier than that, folks. So it's something to be noticeable about and, and to, to realize that it is a temporary place that comes from within but can be revisited quite often if we're not mindful. Um, in my academic journeys, I, um, I got a minor, minor degree in um, psychology, which in hindsight I wish I would have done more studies in. Psychology, for those of you that aren't familiar, is just a study of the human emotions, um, and the, you know, kind of the way we think, the why we think, the way we do. Um, and that can be impacted by some, you know, physical issues in bodies. Some people just have things that they're born with, and other things develop as we get older. Um, but through my studies, um, you know, some of the, if you will, the godfathers of psychology, um, one of them that I really found, had kind of a liking to is Carl Jung. Um, he was a... Um, I believe he was Austrian. I feel bad not knowing now if he was Austrian or German, but he was a psychoanalyst. Um, and psychoanalyst psychology is kind of kind of kooky. It's kind of what I would consider more the hardcore, um, because within psychology you can see, you know, there's a lot, a lot of different types of therapies that you can go through. But with psychoanalysis, people really try to break down the whys of you know who you are and where they came from within you built on the constructs of, you know, how your mind's built through your experiences. Um, and that's, uh, it's a little kooky, but at the same time, I like the, uh, the level 
of intricacy that you can you can see into a person's experiences and the way their personality and mind is shaped. Um, Carl Jung talked a lot about the shadow self. Um, and the shadow self simply is just, you know, your, your dark side. And everybody has a dark side. And it doesn't mean that you have to be the type of person that can go out and... Um, and you know, and mistreat people, or be a you know a murderer underneath. Um, but it just means that some it's a collection of um, of thoughts and personality traits and things that we we may not be happy with and we may not like. Um, and so, knowing recognizing that shadow self is very important to better understand your actions. Um, you know, young, and I'll throw some quotes out there that he specifically talked about. And, um, you know, he, he said, the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. And that just goes to show with the duality of human existence, that there has to be a light and there has to be a dark. And there is. And if you want to think about it from a, you know, just a strictly experience, experiential point, you can't experience light without darkness. We all want to live in the light. It's where happiness comes from. It's where, you know, clarity and focus are. But we have to realize there is a dark side as well to create that paradigm, that duality in our lives. So we, um, you know, we, we want to recognize that because in Jung's, you know, terminologies, you can shadow project. And sometimes that would be from your fears and your darker sides of you projecting on other people without us knowing. Um... It's, um, he, you know, one of his quotes I thought was kind of weird, and he used the term demonic dynamism. It's a frightening thought that man also has a shadow side to him, consisting not just of little weaknesses and foibles, but a positively demonic dyna dynamism. Weird word, hard to say, obviously. Um, and I don't know his religious, you know, beliefs and backgrounds that much, but I just know that it, it, um, it really hit me when he spoke of that, that shadow person inside of you because I, um, I felt that. And, and I think that sometimes you think of, you know, what's wrong with you? And that's just a part of the archetype of the collective unconscious. The collective unconscious is simply, you know, the think about programs on a computer. And you make this analogy that you have an operating system that's always running. There's some things that you obviously can control, like you can hit the start menu, you can run Word, you can run certain programs. That's our conscious, the things that we decide to do that we're aware of. But then there's a separate side of us that the program that's always running in the background, that you don't necessarily see what it's doing, but it's necessary. So our unconscious or our subconscious, as people will call at times, you know, we can understand because we do have a subconscious aspect to our body or that's collected to our autonomic nervous system that runs our heart, runs our liver, runs our bowels. So things work in the background with a, without us having to tell it to do so. But additionally, there are parts of our brains that work in the background too. That is what we refer to as the mind or collective unconscious. And so there are thoughts and there's programming in your brain that runs constantly. And at times that can be a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, obviously our brains want to be able to assess situations, look for danger. Um, 
and make decisions, you know, help us collect data that we can make conscious decisions with quickly. Our brain is the most incredible supercomputer ever created, and it's, fa it's fascinating the levels of computations that go forth in the brain. But, and there's always the but, but things can collect in the background just like old pieces of uh, program data that kind of weigh the system down and mess with the, you know, the operation. So we got our dark side, our baggage, if you will, the things that we collect, and we have to be aware of those because they will project in us. And often that may manifest in the form of anger, resentment, um, and they, they do collect, and it can change who we are if we're not willing to recognize, and not just recognize, but face that shadow self. Um, and there's got to be that integration if you really want to be aware of who the full person is. Um, it's, it's something that we have to be willing to realize and temper um, and know that there is a part of us that is what we would love to hide from the world. Um, but it's, it's necessary for us. So that I briefly touch on, you know, if you're ever interested in reading a little bit more about that, Carl Jung, C-A-R-L-J-U-N-G. He, um, there's another gentleman named Sigmund Freud who, um, was very popular as far as one of the fathers of psychiatry and psychology. I'm not as big on some of his belief systems, but, you know, he's a pioneer in the field who came, who helped elevate the field to a lot more notice and, and come up with some brilliant ideas. So I highly recommend, you know, reading on both of them. And then there's, there's tons of brilliant psychologists and psychiatrists here today. Um, for your information, if you don't know the difference, and this is something I didn't know for a while, a psychiatrist is somebody you'll see that is a medical doctor. They can write prescriptions, um, you know, provide medication for people who may be dealing with some, um, you know, natural causes that come with chemical imbalances in the brain. Those are real. Um, you know, sometimes the brain functions in a way that it alters our reality or alters our consciousness. There's a neurological disorder called schizophrenia that's just like that, where the brain will actually have, I guess, in a sense, hallucinations or, or a skewed reality for people where they will see things that others won't. Um, you want me to go deeper into that at some point, we can talk about, you know, your view of consciousness and alternate dimensions and, and reality. But that's a deep, 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 deep subject that I don't know if anybody's ready yet. Confuses the heck out of me and leaves me kind of drooling on myself at times. But to keep it more high level, um, so just to say that there are some very congenital things that we're born with that at times need to be tweaked, um, just like anything else in the world. And then there's also a lot of things that develop. And so if you don't need you know, medical intervention and you would m more go through you know, cognitive behavioral therapy or talk therapy, that's where a psychologist could come in. They, they aren't medical doctors, but they're trained in the ability to help you delve into your emotions and delve into your thoughts and, and find some root causes and, and really also to help retrain your brain. That's the beautiful thing about our brain. It's just like a computer. You can rewrite the code. You can overwrite bad neurons. You can overwrite bad habits and, and create healthier ones. Is it easy? Not always. In fact, it's, it's so difficult that sometimes you need the help of a professional, somebody who's had experience with uh, influencing other people to do that. So, folks, I can't under, overstate you know, how okay it is to ask for help 
um, to ask for therapy. You know, I myself am a huge believer in it and have benefited from it. And I hope that you guys will have an open mind to it as well. So with that, um, I'm going to just kind of stop there talking about the shadow self, the unconscious, and switch gears a little bit to artificial intelligence. Um, I find that there's, a, there's kind of an interesting overlay between psychology and artificial intelligence, in a sense, um, because a lot of artificial intelligence circles around machine learning. You know, that's the idea that the machine itself is the one making the decisions. Um, that we would teach, you know, we would pro be able to program a computer in a way that it could self-learn. One of the guys that I listen to a lot of his podcast is, has a doctorate in artificial intelligence and focuses on, um, on self-learning. Lex Friedman. Um, highly recommend him. He's very brilliant. And within artificial intelligence, you know, there's, there's a dynamic opportunity for our world to change. Um, you know, simply from the fact that um, with computers, we could, we could have, you know, I mean, uh, you know, think about it in this sense that you could have people who don't get tired, right? people in, in a term, an artificial intelligence that does not get tired, that doesn't degrade, brain does not degrade over time, and that potentially could get smarter on its own without anybody having to teach it, uh, where it could just collect data. So, you know, it's intelligence demonstrated by machines as opposed to the natural intelligence we show, which could be, you know, a complete game changer for our society. Um, and that can also exponentially, and exponentially means greatly, be increased with the use of quantum computing. So for the non-science nerds like myself, there's a, a form of computation, you know, computer computation that they're working on, and it's, and it's here now, but just not in a large portion yet that can be used for commercial use, like in you know, everyday desktops, is quantum computing. And to not get too into it, it essentially means we could create computers that would be 10,000 times faster. So large, extremely large and difficult algorithms that they would run instead of, they could be run in, now would take us, you know, eight years could be run in 10 minutes by a quantum computer. And that provides the opportunity to overcome many, 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 many obstacles to the point of helping find cures for cancer, um, finding you know, propulsion systems to, tr to actually be able to get to Mars. A wide range, guys. Um, with that being said, it could also change the face of employment in the United States and the world. There's a lot of menial tasks that you know, we've, our, our um, you know, human population finds the need for jobs in you know, simply serving. You know, and we need, we need these jobs to be filled. We're seeing it now where there is a large you know, lack of people to fill certain jobs like retail positions, restaurants, um, and, and all the companies are suffering from it. So, you know, the idea would be that you could take some of those jobs that aren't easily filled and you could fill them with robot, robots, robotic intelligence. Um, at this point, you're seeing it already whenever you see the kiosk at certain restaurants where you can order your food from a kiosk, you know, or a computer. That takes away somebody that needed to do that. Additionally, um, the manufacturing facilities for cars and trucks has vastly changed over the last 40 years because of robots. Where there used to be men and women standing on the assembly line riveting and welding things together, robots do it now. Now, does that help with our production ability? Absolutely. It speeds it up. Those robots may break down from time to time and be, need to be serviced, but they don't get sick. 
They don't call in sick because, you know, they don't feel good or their kids, you know, don't feel good. Now, on, you know, you're thinking, okay, Eitzen, that's great, you know, so why are you talking to us about it? Well, I want you to see that it's coming for two reasons. Number one, some of those jobs that they're displacing would be ones that some of y'all would, would be taking, uh, whether that be in high school, right after high school and whatever. So there's a potential, and Elon Musk, if you don't know who that guy is, you should look him up, speaks to that, how artificial intelligence could displace a lot of jobs that humans have. So that brings about a little bit of a concern. And for me specifically, where I see it, um, obviously other than just strict job loss, um, which could cause economic imbalance for the middle class, it also has the potential to vastly change education. Um, because I know we are integrating more technology, but what we'll find, potentially find more and more is that we need less people who can do certain jobs and more people who can you know, be computer programmers, people who can run mainframe databases of computers for information to be transferred. Um, you may see a large shift to that. And so I think as a, as a country, we need to see a shift in our educational practices that could help better prepare students for jobs that, that quite frankly don't exist yet. The jobs that a lot of y'all will have haven't even been created. And, um, you know, so that shows how fast things could change. Um, artificial intelligence is gaining very fast. IBM, Microsoft, a lot of these big companies like that. Uh, China is a, is a big company that's constantly pressing to try to keep up pace with the U.S. for development of technology. And they're a big player and they got a lot of smart people. So that obviously, you know, puts pressure on us in an economic standpoint. And why do I bring this up? Because it's something that will directly affect all of you. Um, whether you're talking about your psychological, you know, abilities, which we've seen different changes in our, in our processes and our interaction with people because of COVID restrictions, that definitely made a change for us. And, you know, your education and, and the job field is going to change in your lifetime. So that's something to be very mindful of, and it's things that I want to bring up to y'all because I think now is the time to really start processing all this. Well, kiddos and people, I'm going to go ahead and dial off um, here because it's about time for me to go teach a class. But I hope you're having a great week, and I hope to start getting a little bit you know, more consistent on my posting of uh, episodes, so I'll keep working on it. All right, bear with me. See you later.